This is the first of the month of February episodes of the Off the Dome podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Off the Dome podcast. This this episode is brought to you by Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. So let's get right to it from a jam-packed action weekend. So there was a big trade that happened between the LA Rams and the Detroit Lions. The Rams gave up three first-round picks and Jared Goff to the Lions for Matthew Stafford. So before I get into my thoughts on this trade, I'm going to make an analogy with one of my favorite actors uh, to connect this analogy, this analogy to Matthew Stafford. So one of my favorite actors is John Travolta. And after being in hits like Saturday Night Fever and Grease, he was he he went into a lull. Like he was in Staying Alive and some other terrible movies until then. But right after that, uh, um, no one thought before that. No one thought he would be in a second act. No one thought that his career would would shine the light and be a resurgence. Well, then Pulp Fiction happened. And then what happened during Pulp Fiction? He's back on the A-list. Hence comes Matthew Stafford. Uh, no one thought that, he, well, uh, during his years in Detroit, people were thinking, okay, he's going to struggle for years. He, he's been under rebuild after rebuild, uh, changing offensive coordinators, changing head coaches. People thought he's not going to get a second chance. Well, you know what? This is Matthew Stafford's Pulp Fiction. He gets the second chance, and he's with the L.A. Rams, and the L.A. Rams are a Super Bowl contender. This, I would grade this trade an A-. minus. I'm going to talk about why a minus a little bit in a little bit. But let me get to the positive of first. So what the Rams were thinking with this trade, with Les Snead was thinking with this trade was, okay, despite the fact that I, that we t- we signed Jared Goff to a long deal. He hasn't really played the part. Think about this. If he's on the roster next year with the $100 million quarterback like Jared Goff, he's going to be competing with John Wolford for a starting deal. And Les Snead is a guy in, in, in L.A. that wants now. He wants to go all in. This franchise from the last couple years clearly wanted to go all in by signing big names like Jalen Ramsey, re-signing Aaron, Aaron Donald, and now uh, trading for Matthew Stafford. Uh, and the Rams took a deep price. There's no doubt about it. I mean, th- three first-round picks. And the Rams took the deepest price to pay at $22 million. And Les Snead, over the weekend, despite the fact that at the moment, like, he clearly showed, that he clearly was moving on from Jared Goff. And, and, the Ra- and Sean McVay, as I could tell from interviews and just from watching, the side, watching him on the sideline, he was fed up with Goff. And Les Snead also said the cap could be fixed. So what, they, what, they, what were they thinking? Well, we have one of the top five offensive lines in football. No question about it. Pro Football Focus ranked him as the number three um, offensive line. We have probably the best defense in football. A young up-and-coming. Uh, Aaron Donald's the best defender in football. The best, and they had the best corner situation with Jalen Ramsey and Darius Williams, and they have a great, they have a good um, other defenders up front like Michael Brockers and Leonard Floyd, 
And on offense, okay, I know golf was a turnover machine, but we have weapons. We have Cooper Cup. We have Robert Woods. We have an emergence of a stud running back in Cam Akers. And we have a good tight end in Tyler Higbee. So when I really look at it, when, when the Rams really looked at it, they said, okay, we need someone that's going to fit well with the system. And that guy was Matthew Stafford. Now, the reason why I said A- minus was, given Matthew Stafford's injury history, depending on if he can stay healthy, I'm going to knock on wood for his health, that he could that if he doesn't get healthy, if he, if he doesn't get hurt, he could be in the MVP conversation next year. He, yes, he want to say, well, he didn't have a single playoff win, and, but he was hurt. He's missed so many games. He missed half the season in 2019 with the rib injury, and, and, and he had, like, a shoulder injury in 2018. He's been banged up. Do you know how many games, though, he played uh, last year, though? 16. He played 16 games. And about his toughness, the uh, current Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach Bruce Arians praised Matthew Stafford by saying, quote, He's one of my all-time favorite guys. He's tough as nails. Like I said the other day, he's one of the quarterback of the few quarterbacks I like going out and watching warm up. Just watching him throw because he's so special. I've always felt like he was one of the top four or five guys in this league for a long time. Like I said, he's tough as nails and his guys know it. They know he's going to suck it up for them. And he's true. Matthew Stafford, uh, before the trade, he was one of the few quarterbacks out there that stayed with the same franchise, the, the Detroit Lions, who more look like pussycats because they are one of the losingest franchises in the NFL. And they've wasted prime careers. This is the franchise that's wasted prime careers, like Barry Sanders. He only played 10 years in the league for the Lions. And Megatron, of course, obviously Matthew Stafford's not going to find a better receiver the rest of his career like Megatron. The point I'm making is that Matthew Stafford is, has quietly one of the most underrated careers. Stafford's one of eight quarterbacks to have a 5,000-yard season. And all time, as far as longevity goes, Stafford is 16th in passing yards of all time and 14th in completion percentage all time. Yes, he had some good talent. He had... Marvin Jones, he's had Megatron, he's had uh, Reggie Bush, he's had uh, Roy Williams, um, he had uh, Williams, he's had talent. The thing is, though, I've really, he's been under many head coaches changes, many defensive coordinator changes, and yet he still has a cannon of an arm. Yes, he is prone to some turnovers from time to time, but when you have a big arm like that, you are going to make a few mistakes. But what I really like, though, of this situation, I said this at the top of the show, this could be like a Pulp Fiction resurgence. If he could stay healthy, he could be in the MVP discussion. With him and an offensive mind like Sean McVay, who I, I know that some of my friends have given Sean McVay crap because of the fact that he missed the he missed the playoffs in 2019 and of how he laid an egg in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. But in reality, he's a very good offensive mind and the West Coast offense is known 
for out of all the great quarterbacks, Favre, Elway, Manning, uh, um, Manning Mont- Montana, these guys, when they are put in these positions to succeed in this West Coast offense, it truly works out. And you have a cannon of an arm like Stafford, you have great, and you have Sean McVay, and with those weapons, oh, they, I think at worst, they can be the third best team in the NFC. I seriously think they could potentially make the Super Bowl. I, I know it's too early for predictions for next year, but I, I think that they are they're a very good they are a great team on paper. And that defense, I've said, they're the number one defense in the league, in my opinion. Again, pending on health, pending on if no if anyone gets hurt, I think that they are going to be if they stay healthy then they are going to they they could be a reckoning to I think Brady's Bucks I'm sure will be favored next year or Aaron Rodgers and his new defensive coordinator but I I really think the Rams have a legit shot at getting to the Super Bowl next year and if you pair that up with Stafford and Sean McVay this could work out very well they the Rams clearly what they what the and what I've said about the Rams throughout all of last all of this past year was that they have a championship style def- caliber defense they have a great offensive mind of Sean McVay they have great weapons but i've said about Jared Goff he is an accident waiting to happen he is a turnover machine and I said, if they just had a better quarterback that could take care of the ball, that could not make erratic decisions, then they can go to the Super Bowl. And I and think and they didn't want Jared Goff and John Wolford competing for a starting job. Um, so so they said, why not go with Stafford? And it worked. I'm very uh, happy for the LA Rams. I think that they could be a great challenge for for uh, Rodgers Packers and Brady's Bucks. I like this a lot. I give it an A minus again because yes, Stafford's injury history and the fact they gave up three first round picks and they took a deep cap hit still shows they have a lot to be desi- they have a lot to be desired about the future pending on Stafford's health from Detroit. But I think if Stafford can stay healthy, and he can ha- and the fact that he's paired with Sean McVay and these great weapons, then this team is definitely going to be a reckoning. And I, I think Stafford has a gr- not a good shot, but a great shot to win league MVP next year. Okay, so moving on, um, talking from Stafford and the Rams. I want to talk about about another QB situation. Let's talk about Deshaun Watson. So the Texans hired David Culley, and he's he he's very confident in something that I'm not sure he should be confident about. Uh, David Culley said, "Quote uh, about Deshaun Watson." He's the quarterback, quote, he's the quarterback of the Houston Texans, and that's all that I was concerned about. 
That's all I knew, and whatever was being said about what he wanted to do or didn't want to do, all I know is this. He is a Houston Texan, and I wanted to be a Houston Texan. And the reason I'm in this position today is because I knew he's going to be a Houston Texan. The outside stuff that was being said is irrelevant to me, meaning David Culley. I don't know if David Culley is a gambling man, but if he gambles, I would bet him. I'd bet him a good amount that, that Deshaun Watson will not be a Houston Texan next year. I don't see the way in which Deshaun would want to come back. And I've read reports, and Michael Silver on the NFL Network have said this about Deshaun Watson, about the Houston Texans organization. It's a dumpster fire. They they didn't like the they didn't like how they they could have they that how Deshaun Watson could have thought that they could have interviewed. Maybe Robert Sala or Eric Bieniemy or other coaches that are in minorities or any great other offensive minds out there, and Deshaun Watson didn't like the fact that the Houston Texans traded his buddy D uh, Hop to the Cardinals in exchange for I don't know oh uh, a wasted running back. And he didn't like the fact that his defense was bad. And he didn't like the fact that I read a report that a pasture was like somewhat of a consultant, if you will, with the Houston Texans organization. It's a dumpster fire. And he hated how Bill O'Brien ran things. And he clearly is not the biggest fan of Romeo Cornell, the head coach. And he does and the defense has been playing bad. He doesn't like he, he doesn't like the fact they have a lot of weapons on the offensive side of the ball. Besides Will Fuller. So he really clearly has been adamant. If you could, and if you could see from his social media pages, he's unfollowed the Houston Texans. And if you look at his profile, his profile before his change was a Houston Texans jersey. It's not that anymore. So Deshaun Watson clearly is fed up with the Houston Texans organization. And he clearly wants out. David, I think... I read reports that Watson and David Culley hit it off at the Pro Bowl of last year. But I think Deshaun Watson was at a point, okay, the organization up until uh, uh, after that has been a dumpster fire. I want to change the pace. I want out. That's basically what he was saying. And I, David Culley, I, I, I'm sure he's got, he, he has a future. He's been a lot of stops. I'm happy for him that he got this job. But if I were you, David Coley, I would just be happy just to have a job regardless and get paid and just happy just to coach a team. I, I wouldn't bank on Deshaun Watson being your quarterback. Deshaun clearly wants out. He clearly was fed up with this organization the whole offseason and even bits of last year by trading away D-Hop. So when I really look at it, D Deshaun Watson clearly wants out from this team, and I I wouldn't bet David Coley, like I said earlier, I know he's not. I don't know if he's a gambling man or not, but if both of us were at a blackjack table, I bet him hundreds of dollars that 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 he will not be with Deshaun Watson. So in other words. David Coley, you're wasting you I'm happy for you that you got this job, but in reality, you are wasting your time. Okay, now I'm going to switch gears. 
And I'm going to talk about the team that a lot of people on social media think I hate because they think I'm quote-unquote scared of this team. Uh, being my Lakers against the Brooklyn Nets. So let's talk about the Brooklyn Nets, shall we? So they were up five points with, I want to say, 13 seconds left. And then Bradley Beal hit a three. And then after that, uh, Joe Harris threw a bad inbounds play. Uh, it threw a bad pass out of uh, inbounds. And Matthews, I think his name was, from the Wizards, stole it. And then Russell Westbrook hit a three. And on the other end, Kyrie Irving was inbounding the ball. He clearly traveled. And then TLC to Wabu Cabarro missed a bunny layup. And that was it. Game was over. So, look, I'm, I'm going to be honest here. People think that instead of the Clippers being my most disliked team, uh, the Brooklyn Nets, uh, people are going to say, are my disliked team. People are going to think, oh, you hate the Nets because you're scared. No, I'm just being realistic. I've said this all along that that the Brooklyn Nets are a bad defensive team. And I I stand by it. And I said there are some holes in this team. People are going to say, oh, you're just criticizing them because you're scared. Because you're trying to find another team to hate on. No, I'm not. I'm be, I provide uh, objectivity. And... My two teams I'm clearly not the biggest fan of, the Clippers and the Nets, play each other Tuesday. I, I I don't praise the Clippers at all, but I will say this about the Clippers. They are at least moving the ball well, and they're at least playing defense pretty well. And they clearly have some chemistry that's clearly working in their favor with Ty Lue. Despite the fact that I think they'll shrink in the postseason, I stand by it. They are at least showing chemistry, and they're at least playing some defense. I will say that. The Brooklyn Nets, they think all of a sudden they can just rest Harden or rest Kyrie each night. Durant resting, that's understandable because he's came off an Achilles injury. But to rest one of them and say, you know what, we can, we don't, we can just dominate every night. You know, we can give up 170-something, but we can score 200. We'll be good. No, you're not good. You can score all the points you want. Have all the highlight reels. This is what really pisses me off. Whenever I see a highlight reel, the Brooklyn Nets on Bleacher Report, on ESPN, or Twitter, or whatever the case is, they're praising Brooklyn. But, I, I'm, I, but they're doing it when Brooklyn loses games. You, do you know something about the Washington Wizards? Let's put this into some perspective. The Washington Wizards, people want to say, oh, Matty G, the Lakers lost to the Pistons. Well, the Pistons are in 14th place in the East, and the Wizards are in 15th place in the East. The Wizards have four total wins. Four wins. And two of those wins, you know who they came against? Nothing but Nets. The, the Brooklyn Nets, this is a stat that I just pulled up about the Brooklyn Nets from Stat Muse. Pretty good, pretty good, pretty good website. According to StatMuse, since the Nets traded for James Harden, their offensive rating, which I expected them to be, was the best in the NBA, would be the best of all time, 122.6. Okay, that's when you have three um, superstars on one team. I expect that to happen. But their defensive rating 
is 119 point is nearly 120 per game. The worst in the NBA and the worst of all time. Okay, so they can score all the points. They can hot dog and show and show these great highlights and flex. But what does that do when when it comes down to the nitty gritty, huh? What does that do? You're giving up all these points. When it comes down to the nitty-gritty, this team, when they're supposed to lock in defensively, they won't. Those three, KD is expected to be a somewhat good defender because he's seven foot. Kyrie said last night after the post game, I watch all their post games because I don't miss a trick with what these with what these uh, quote leaders have to say. And Kyrie Irving said something that I actually thought for once he made sense on. He said, "quote I couldn't guard a stick last night." Yeah, I agree. He didn't. He's never a good defender. And yes, I will say this though, they are correctable, but if they had a more experienced head coach, then I think they'd be a little bit of a better defensive team. But I don't see this working, and I've said this multiple times. When they come up in the playoffs, when they have to go up against a big like Joel Embiid, or if they face Giannis, they are going to struggle in the paint because they don't have a rim protector. People think Andre Drummond will come to the Nets. Yeah, I, I don't see that working out. He's already on a playoff team with the Cleveland Cavaliers, and I don't see them wanting to trade Andre Drummond. So, in my opinion, I think the Brooklyn Nets, if I were a Nets fan out there, I would, and you know who I'm talking to, I would be pretty nervous about this team from a defensive standpoint. They can't just score 140-plus and flex with highlight reels and not play any defense and expect to win games all the time. You can't rely on your offense every single night. There are times during the season when KD and Kyrie and even Harden will go, will, will, will go cold. But it's how they clamp down defensively what happens. Now, before I talk about the Lakers in a second, uh, the Lakers, they they can, when, when one aspect of their game is struggling, other the other aspect of their game will at least pick it up. Yeah, and even though they had a lot, they their defense, even though they lost to the Sixers, they at least picked it up defensively throughout the last three and a half minutes. And against the Pistons, I'll give you that. That was a bad loss, and it was a bad night, and you're going to have that. But when the Lakers played the Celtics, and when their offense was struggling, it's all about clamping down when it matters most, and defensively, the Lakers clamped down. So, at least they have one side. They at least can, when one, in most games, when one side of, of their team is struggling, Usually the offense or the defense would pick the other one up. The Brooklyn Nets, they can't just rely on scoring every single night and expect to win big games. That's all I'm saying. I'm not talking as a hater. I'm not talking as a a Lakers um, defender, which I am. I'm not talking as the biggest LeBron fan out there. I'm just talking as a guy that just that talks sports all day because I'm objective. 
This Brooklyn Nets team is in trouble from a defensive standpoint and the stats I just mentioned. And unless they don't uh, commit defensively on a nightly basis, uh, other than a team like the Miami Heat, they're not going to go far in the playoffs. Okay, now I'm going to talk about the Lakers. So, they I'll I'll say this: the one this is a work in progress. I get that. I, I am a little concerned about what it comes to in the clutch situations and maintaining consistency throughout with this new roster. I I like what 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 the Lakers have, so the Lakers right now are fifteen and six. That's we're doing good, but not great. I the defensive side, the Lakers are are third in defense defensive efficiency rating, and the Lakers are still a great offensive scoring team. But when it comes to consistency throughout, the there are some games where the Lakers do look lethargic. I will say that this and I again getting back to the Philly game, the Lakers did come did most of that game were very lethargic on the defensive side. But when it came to four thirty left. The Lakers clamped down defensively, and they took the lead, a one-point lead, up until a, um, a great Tobias Harris shot. Now, on the other side, uh, against the Pistons, uh, I'll admit that that was embarrassing. There's no excuse for losing to the Pistons. I'll admit that. Against the Celtics, I thought the fourth, most of the fourth quarter, the Lakers were phenomenal. They clamped down defensively. LeBron got going by hitting uh, a couple clutch threes. AD finally had an aggressive game. Trez bounced back, but unfortunately, Tatum almost took the game over late, and and AD got the ball stripped by Kemba, and I, I don't know how to feel after that game. Yes, the Lakers won, but am I really going to expect Kemba Walker to go one for 12 again? No, I'm not. And it was very close to Kemba hitting that an, another um, shot that would have um, beat that the Lakers would have been crushed. It that would have been crushed after another um, game winner of the opposing team. And Daniel Tice missed a bunny putback that I was whew, nervous about. I, I was I was happy with that win, but I don't I I don't know how to feel in general. Because the Lakers, I'll say this, is a work in progress still. They're still 15-6. and six. They're still working on other ways to get better. I, I, I do think that I do think that with this new roster, they will get they will find ways to, to be more consistent throughout. And they're still work and Vogel's still working on lineup switches and different rotations to end the game. I that's what I think. I, I am not – I wouldn't say I'm concerned. I do think that they need to maintain some consistent energy from through, through 48 minutes each game. And I and LeBron said this, It's and Vogel said this, it's like we're, we're practicing in the middle of the game and we're still trying to find different rotations and we're still trying to work ourselves in. I do think that they could be, and they have been on the road for a long time, so that's probably the reason they're probably lethargic. But I do think that they need to, they do need to find a consistent rotation uh, to, in the end of the fourth quarter. And I will say this: 
I think that I think that LeBron. I like how he's played in every game so far. But I, I, I eventually, when it comes to playoff time, you don't want to risk getting injured. I mean, and when you saw during LeBron's first year with the Lakers, he had a groin pull, and then after that, he really wasn't the same after that. So it's about managing injuries, and LeBron's no spring chicken. It's his 18th year, and he's played great, but. If there's some games in which you're playing a team like the first of all, I don't think he should have played against the Pistons. If he if you if you play in like a prime time game, yes, LeBron should play that. But if you play against I don't know a, a weak sorry team in the West or I don't know the Wizards or I don't know whichever or the Knicks or whichever other team is out there that's weak after playing a playoff team to like a non-playoff team. I would rest LeBron on those games to preserve him some energy for the postseason. So I I I think that look, LeBron's gonna play in any game in which he's he his body's right and his mind's right and trying to preserve energy and trying to maintain um, his health throughout uh, the going to the playoffs. So, no, I'm not totally concerned with that. I, I, I do think that LeBron will be okay if the Lakers choose to rest him against crappy teams. So, I, I do think that I'm not totally concerned about this team. Uh, we'll see how the Lakers do tonight against the Hawks. Um, but, I mean, they, they, they're still working themselves out, in my opinion. Okay, now let's move. Now let's talk about uh, about uh, uh, Mahomes versus Brady. So Tony Romo said uh, that over the over the weekend that if Mahomes Mahomes needs to win this Super Bowl to catch up into the goat debate with Tom Brady. My thoughts are, are on this are number one. First, I think that. I think that's totally unfair, and I disagree with the statement. When Tom Brady was in the Super Bowl, did anybody say, well, he needed to catch up to Joe Montana? No, they didn't say that. So now, all of a sudden, uh, Tony Romo's discrediting the fact that one Super Bowl loss early on, you're just disqualified from the GOAT conversation. Really? I mean, Really? I mean, Patrick Mahomes, he's already been off to the best start in NFL history. I don't think there's any debate about that. His first full season starting, not his rookie season. Obviously, he was um, learning under the tutelage of Alex Smith and Andy Reid. But after that, Patrick Mahomes arguably had the the greatest first full start season ever. I mean, he threw 5,000 passing yards and 50 touchdowns his first year. I mean, that's pretty freaking impressive. And to top it on that, the next year after that, you go out and you win a Super Bowl. So he's already off to the best start ever, and he had another great year. Mahomes is is, is by far the best QB in the league. I know Aaron Rodgers had the better year. It was the most valuable this year. He deserved to win that. But Mahomes is the best uh, quarterback in football um, right now. And I think that he has a, a good shot to catch up to Brady when it's all said and done. I, to, lose, look, to lose a Super Bowl right now in his 
third full year starting and say he can't catch up in the GOAT debate? That's ridiculous. That's crazy. If Tom Brady, um, Joe Montana went undefeated in the Super Bowls, when Brady lost um, three times in the Super Bowl, we didn't question that. So why are we questioning this? Why are we? Mahomes is having a great start to the year and to, to his career, and say he loses this, say he wins the next one the year after, say he racks up more longevity stats, say he wins more MVPs, say that he wins more Super Bowls, say he, wins, he winds up winning seven. I think he can play for 20-plus years. Say if he does all this and say he winds up with seven and, and assuming Brady loses this, uh, Brady winds up with six. Seven to six, more MVPs, more passing yards, and uh, pass Brady from a longevity standpoint, then why are we going to disqualify that? And you, people are going to make this a competition between Brady versus Mahomes. No, it's the Bucks versus the Chiefs. And to be honest with you, I think, in all honesty, the, I think the Bucks have a good shot at beating the Chiefs. They have, in my, they have a good, they have a better defense than the Chiefs do, and I say I think also that if the if they if the Chiefs um, O line, well, first of all, the Chiefs O line is banged up. Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz are out. I think the Bucks have a good chance to get after Mahomes. I think the quarterback that stays the cleanest or the O line that can protect the other one the best is usually going to end up winning this game. Like, say the defense, if the Bucks were to beat the Chiefs, I think the, the, the most valuable player would be a defensive player like JPP or Shaq Barrett. One of those two. So, no, I, 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 it's, and you can't just blame that, put this loss into all, and just focus in on how Mahomes lost to a 43-year-old. You have to look at the teams in general. Mahomes were to lose this, they're not, he's not going to say that that Brady's better this year than Mahomes. They're not going to say that. They're going to say the team executed better. That's what it comes down to. And what Brady, with the Super Bowl he lost to the Eagles in 2017, the 2017-2018 season, Brady threw for 505 yards and three touchdown passes. And I thought he outplayed Nick Foles. But we, we scrubbed that out of the way and just focused on the Eagles winning. So and do, does that mean that Nick Foles was better than Tom Brady? No. So no, I, I it's very unfair to put pressure on a twenty five year old that that's still growing. That's that's in his that is now going to complete his third full year starting as a starting quarterback. I think that's very unfair. And look, I love Tony Romo as a broadcaster. He has a lot of charisma. He provides great insight. He knows the game in and out extremely well. And he, I thought he was a pretty good quarterback that a lot of people gave him credit for. But this is kind of an out-of-bounds statement that Tony Romo made, in my opinion. He, he had an incompletion pass on this one. Okay, uh, now I'm going to talk about um, about goat comparing to the goat. So LeBron said uh, uh, um, to uh, this past weekend on Tom Brady reaching his tenth Super Bowl 
he said this. He said, quote, at our age, we can still dominate our sport. We have one common goal, and that's to win and win at the highest level. What I see about this is that I agree with LeBron. I think he notices that at this, at both their ages, they can still adapt well, and they can still find other ways to make their team successful. They can still find ways to win. They still have the stamina to want to compete at the highest level when both of these athletes are getting up there with age. And I think that he's recognizing Tom Brady's greatness as far as him being, despite the fact that I criticize Tom more than most, I still think he is the greatest quarterback ever. I acknowledge his game. Tom's been having a great year, and people didn't expect this. And LeBron's in his 18th season in the league. Brady's in his 21st season in the league. And they're both are still playing at the highest levels at their per, at their respective sports. Um, Br- Brady clearly, yes, I, he when he went to go, uh, when he when he knew that he couldn't carry this Patriots team with the lack of weapons, he went he went to go uh, to to Tampa with a very loaded offensive core and a pretty good defense, and, and he's revitalized. And it worked out. And LeBron, after knowing that he couldn't carry a sorry Cavs team, the worst finals roster ever, and after the fact that he pulled his groin, he said said that, okay, we need to switch this up. I'm going to go get Anthony Davis to to compete for a championship. And look how that turned out. And And it's worked very well. They won a championship. So I think that... And also, they're finding ways from, I think, to stay healthy as far as eating right, as far as working out right, as far as finding other ways to adapt at their game. Brady, I don't think, can throw it deep down the field like he once was, but he's very good at hitting crossing routes and very good at, I make fun of this, but it works. He does well with the dinking and the ducking um, It with short passes, and he still can throw it pretty well, despite not what he used to. And LeBron... He, uh, no one takes care of his body better than LeBron does. He eats right. He works out very hard. Uh, he still finds ways to adapt when, obviously, he can't explode like to the basket every single game. He still is the greatest transition player in the league. He hasn't declined, but you are going to decline in some aspects when you're older. He can't immediately be in attack mode all the time. He has to adapt. So what does he do? Last, like last year, he led the league in assists. And this year, he's ha- shooting a career high in three-point percentage. And he still is a, the best passer in basketball. and still the best player in basketball. So what I've noticed is that these athletes still find ways to adapt at when the older they get and still finding other ways to help this team win. And despite the fact that they are getting up there in age, they still have that desire to want to win and compete and compete at the highest level. So I think that despite their age and despite that, I'm going to give LeBron credit for willing to adapt. And I'll even give Tom Brady credit for willing to adapt uh, in this um, as the older they get. Okay, that concludes another edition of the Off the Dome podcast. Um, I'll see you guys next time. Have a great rest of your Monday and go get them.